And she mentions in the book that these women are having pregnant, healthy pregnancies and healthy babies on average in their societies at the age of 60. Wow. Um, and that was the first moment where I was like, holy shit. Like, what if everything that I know and have been taught is only applicable because we live these like toxic lives? Hello and welcome to the Health Tech Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com, but for now, here is today's episode. Okay, what is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. And we got a pretty special guest on. Her name is Dr. Amatma Simmons, and we're talking all about infertility, and that's really why I consider her such a special guest. First of all, she has an amazing energy, so that's definitely, there's something to be said about that. But we've never had someone come on and specifically address this topic. It's amazing the ignorance I had going into this podcast. I'm like, we're going to run out of things to talk about. And we're on episode you know, 100-something, and we haven't even touched on infertility specifically yet, <laughs> right? There are just endless topics in the world of health. There's always new science coming out, and that's what's amazing. So as long as you guys keep listening, we will keep producing content. We love talking to you guys. And what's really interesting about this one is her philosophy on this because I don't think she's saying go try this in the modern world, but as you heard from the snippet that we did, Dr. Amatma did reference what that was, just to be clear, and of course we'll talk about this more in the podcast itself. It was someone who had done research on tribes who were kind of still out there and had reason to believe that these tribes were able to have successful and healthy pregnancies even when the women were in their early 60s, which is so beyond the paradigm of what we would be able to do or what we think we can do in the modern world. And I think we have to at least recognize this, right? We all know, if you're listening to the show, you completely recognize the fact that we are destroying our bodies with our modern world. We are not living in alignment with nature at all. And even in the world of kind of the standard American or wherever you might be in the world in the Western society, we hear about people all the time having successful pregnancies at 40 or early 40s. Now, we do consider that late, of course, but we hear that all the time. So if that is something that's possible in our modern world with all the toxicity and all the crap that goes on, and the fact that it's done by people who actually are not really necessarily living a lifestyle like we live at all, yeah, I mean, I know that it has to be probably at least 45, 50 that this is possible. And then again, how far percentage-wise, if we can even quantify this somehow, have we gone from nature? So what would a true tribe be able to do? I think it's an interesting question. 
Now, I don't think anyone in here, even if they could, wants to have a kid at 60, unless you're trying to set like the official Guinness World Record or something like that. I'm not sure what that age is. <laughs> um, I think it's actually over 60, which is kind of weird. But I don't think you want to do that. So the point is, can we still have healthy pregnancies when we're told we can't or have it later in life if maybe we wanted to live a different type of life for the first, you know, 35, 40 years of our life? I think that's the paradigm that Dr. Amatma happily challenges. And I think the answer to that is yes. We are talking about today people who are told at the age of 28 that they're too old to get pregnant and their body's like shutting down. Okay, that sounds like total BS, right? No one believes that. But they're really having this objective experience where they can't complete the pregnancy. Well, Dr. Amatma will tell you how we can deal with that. And then she'll also share one of the most amazing stories at the end. And I, th I may say amazing just in the sense that I've certainly never tried to have kids in my life, but I would imagine that this is a pretty profound experience for people, probably a deeply spiritual one. And so when one cannot do this with their partner that they love and they want to do it, that's probably a pretty challenging experience. And then to be able to be given that gift when it was temporarily taken away, that has to be an amazing experience. So that's why I use that word. And what happened to this one couple is they were not able to get pregnant like forever. And then they start working with Dr. Amatma, late 30s, the woman gets pregnant. They call her up in the early 40s and tell her that they're pregnant with another baby, both successful pregnancies, right? And these are people who couldn't get pregnant. So I don't want to say it's never too late. If you're 80 years old, it's probably not going to happen. But this is certainly one of those cases in the world of health where it can happen a lot later than you think. And I know that our audience, based on the demographic that we typically attract, we do have all ages and ranges, but based on who we typically attract, I think this can be a really powerful message for people and super inspiring, just making them realize that it's not too late, usually for them, and there are chances to get this under control. So a little bit about Dr. Amatma. She is a double board certified naturopathic doctor and endocrinologist. In practice for close to 15 years, she specializes in fertility and is the best-selling author of two books. One is Fertility Secrets, What Your Doctor Didn't Tell You About Baby Making, <laughs> and in parentheses, in and parentheses, Fertility, Struggles, Secrets, and Successes. Dr. Amatma was awarded the Best Naturopathic Doctor Award locally in 2015 and 2020 and recognized as a top women in medicine doctor in 2020 and 2021. In addition to supporting couples through individualized care in person and through long distance coaching or practice, I guess I should say, it's not a coach, Dr. Amatma also trains practitioners who want to specialize in fertility. She has been featured as the holistic fertility expert on ABC, Fox, CBS, KTLA, Mind Body Green, The Bump, etc., along with being interviewed for countless podcasts on the topics of fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum health. Well, you can tell this is going to be a good episode. Let's get to it. Without further ado, here we go. All right. Hello there, Dr. Amatma. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me, Evan. I I'm excited for this topic. I feel like this is something I, I was talking to you off air that comes up indirectly a lot, but we've never had one person in 120 something episodes that has come on here and talked about this directly. And the topic is going to be, I'm, I'm sure we'll hit on many things, but around <laughs> infertility and the it's just crazy to me because I, I said this to someone before and I, I didn't mean it offensively, but I, I need to be aware more of how people not in the health space might take this stuff. I, I look at the fact that we have such large problems with infertility as literally the biggest sign that our world is just crazy right now with the health mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, I'm a spiritual person. I don't know what anyone else's beliefs are, but I believe we're here for something more. But even with that belief, 
you still have to remember that biologically, let's call it what it is, guys. We're here to, you know, do something with a partner and create something with that partner. You know, like that, that's fundamentally yeah. the, the point here from a biological perspective. And my point in mentioning that is if we have 20-something-year-old women or 20-something-year-old men that can't successfully complete that process, wouldn't it bring to people's minds that we must be doing something fundamentally wrong if they cannot successfully act out that biological function that mm -hmm. we're here for primarily. Um, so with that all said, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I just, I am excited about it. I, I want to ask beforehand, cause you've been doing this for quite some time. What got you into this? Was it health symptoms of your own? Because I know that's the case for a lot of people, but I'm curious if it was a health journey of your own that led you to this work. Actually, sort of. Okay. <laughs> um, I was, so I had been a, a naturopathic doctor already at that point for five years. And I work with hormones and all of the natural things that people come in for to naturopathic doctors. But never once had I seen a fertility patient. I couldn't even okay. tell you that someone had mistakenly gotten pregnant. But um, I was going through my own process. And that process was being married to someone that wanted to start having children. And that was the first moment that I had like stopped to think about it. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, did I just marry the wrong person? Because oh. absolutely F no. Like, I am not having children with you. And oh, like, there was something in my body that just like, was like, no, 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 no. Like, mm -hmm. pause, halt. And there were like, sure, we had we had only been married for a few months at that point. And I was like, what does this mean? Like, I just got married. I don't understand why my body's like just revolting against this. Huh. And I went on like a nine month journey on a personal level to say, hey, why? Like what was happening within myself that made my body just be like, no, thank you. Yeah. And and then B, if this was a legitimate no thank you and I was going to stick to that, what did that mean for the rest of my life? Like, was I never going to have children? Was I okay with that? Mm -hmm. And I was like really super early in my 30s. So at that point, you know, I hadn't given it that much thought. It was like, yeah, one day maybe I'll have kids. Um, but I had to get really clear within myself to be like, hey, if it's taken me 10 years to actually say yes to marrying someone, and then all of a sudden I'm like, no, I'm not having children with you, what does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of digging. And even in naturopathic medical school, I had learned that our fertility magically drops off of a cliff at 35. Mm -hmm. and um, And that was the belief that I had. And honestly, like, the few little things that I remembered from medical school were not super helpful in how was I going to preserve my fertility till I was ready to have children with right. hopefully someone else. <laughs> so it was just like a big um, journey of questions that mm -hmm. I needed answers to. And in that process, in the nine month journey, I just like the more I discovered, the more like research I dove into the more I was like, holy crap, like we have a massive issue. It's global. It's not in the U U.S. alone. It's like everywhere across the world. Fertility rates are dropping off of cliffs. And the only answer that couples are getting is, oh, it's your age. 
And that major myth, I went on this like rabbit hole of like, how did this start? How, like, does our fertility actually drop off of a cliff? Because that seems weird. Like nothing in our body just suddenly stops working, right? Like yeah. it's a process. So does that just happen overnight? Like I'm going to wake up at 35 and magically have no eggs or like what, what is going on? Right. So, and what I came up with was like that myth is actually a myth and it got created in the 1800s in France out, not out of scientific research at all, but out of churches that were noticing a drop off in women coming in to baptize their children after the age of 35. So I was like, wait, so the massive, like the major thing that the fertility world touts is this age thing, but it's standing on very thin ice (laughs) with no research. So like, why are we like even naturopathic medicine? Like, why do we keep telling people this when there's no scientific reality to it? And how do we transform it? So Honestly, like me specializing in this, it wasn't planned. It wasn't like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. It was literally like, wait, we're just lying to people. So let's, and and I just would start talking to women and they were like, oh my God, maybe you can help me with my fertility. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, that's not what we're doing here. Uh, right. But it, it became the default because 11 years ago, there really were not that many holistic practitioners doing fertility and um and they definitely weren't coming from this like if this natural quote unquote natural if procreation is not happening it's a really clear sign and symptom of something deeper and it's not uh it's not like we need to manipulate your hormones to make it happen. And yeah. that is one belief that I very much believe, like there is something else going on almost yeah. always. And if we don't know what that is, then we are literally like masking all of the symptoms to yeah. help your body get a result that just isn't always necessary. Well, I feel like uh, there's so many things here, but the last part of what you just said is exactly what I was getting at, right? I mean, this is just a fundamental part of being human. And and yeah, it's one thing if we want to start talking about two six-year-olds that can't have a kid. Okay, fine. Obviously, we cap out at some point. But yeah, I mean, I'm 26 and I see people in my age range that need to go to fertility clinics or do all this stuff. And this is just to be so clear, because again, I've under... um, I haven't guessed correctly how people interpret this before. And I don't mean this in a way of condescension or rudeness at all. It's like, but guys, just common sense. We have to think like that is a fundamental reason that we're here. So if we can't do that, it's not that you're bad or something's wrong with you. It's like, okay, we need to figure out why this is happening. Why can't you perform this very fundamental thing, man or woman, like whatever, whoever's the issue. And usually I feel like it's a little bit of both in today's world Mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, like the sperms of low quality. I know that men in uh, my age range have 50% less testosterone than our grandfathers. So there's a huge problem, right? It's just, it's an absolute, um, it's a mess in a certain sense. Um, And I, not even that this is relevant to the podcast per se for a health podcast, but I just think that idea of, what you kind of alluded to of like, all right, do I want kids? Like, that's okay, right? We're allowed to choose not to have kids. I was someone who for a very long time, um, I had said like just adamantly, like that that was never something I wanted to do. And this wasn't being some like stupid 21-year-old guy who was going out and trying to pick up a different girl at the bar every weekend. I never have done that. That was never my thing. It's not for me. I'm not judging it. 
two consenting adults want to do that, that's fine, but it's not for me. So I was like mature in these other areas, but also pretty firm in that belief too. And people just look at you like, oh, what's wrong with you? Or how selfish is that? I'm like, selfish? I'm like, isn't it more selfish to just have a kid and then like, oh, I still want to go live a normal life, but I also want to have the kid. I know this because I know how busy I am and how much I love my work. So I'm not going to put the effort into that when I know I'm not going to leave that. I think that's more selfish because I see a lot of people with kids or even pets and they can't maintain either of them because (laughs) they want the cake um, and eat it too. And I've since changed that philosophy a little bit. Um, I have like a wonderful person I'm dating and I I told her straight up, we're very blunt with each other. I, if she says I don't want kids, I'm not going to argue with her at all. And she knows that, but at the same time, it's just, not a make or break for me either. Right. And it's right. not like I'm going to be like pouting the whole time. Like, oh, damn, she made me have a kid. It's not <laughs> like that. Right. It's just that's my slight preference. You got to have one or the other. Um, but I think we need to normalize that a little more that it's perfectly OK yeah. uh, to not desire that. But absolutely. Is it, yeah. Is and, it coming from a health place of like I can't or I don't want to. Right. And and absolutely. Like if you if anyone asked me in my 20s, I didn't mm-hmm. want to have kids either. So <laughs> it wasn't like. I I am not one of those women that forever felt like, oh, once I have a child, I'll feel differently. Like, I absolutely love my work. I will say to anyone that asks, like, my business is my first baby. Like, that is my child. <laughs> that child is 15, 16 years old. <laughs> and, and I have no qualms about it, right? Like, it is it, my four, four, almost four-year-old will forever be sharing his time with my first baby. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's. I think it's like, it's okay. And I think it's important, just like you said, like we do need to normalize this conversation of do I even want this? And unfortunately, what I find with a lot of people is that they haven't considered the question until they get into their late 30s early 40s and they're like oh crap actually I kind of want to have a child and now the clock is ticking and I've lived this lifestyle that isn't really hasn't really promoted overall wellness and is definitely depleted my hormones to the point where it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to Mm -hmm. be able to conceive so I feel like it's important to ask those questions and it's important to like plan for it even if we're not sure that we want it if it's a maybe then we need to live a lifestyle that's congruent with future fertility just to have the option i think that's wonderfully even if it's a maybe yes we should be because that's it's not necessarily simple guys so we gotta especially in today's world right we gotta make sure that we're healthy if it's an adamant no it's like okay that's clear um really random fact but kind of just an interesting study that i had read one time there's a direct correlation between high iq men and sexual exclusive exclusivity not something i should say on a podcast tongue-tying myself but like monogamy you know but there's also a hot but it's not the true for women necessarily but women with a higher iq have um, a tendency to not want kids but it's not necessarily true for men and I, i always thought that one was very interesting and i guess what it implies in a sense is that as we you know, have higher and higher IQs or the prefrontal cortex gets more and more developed, what are we really doing? We're overriding what would have been natural. And, you know, men have this desire to just go out and spread the seed, right? I guess. <laughs> and just, I mean, that's it's procreation, you know, and procreate, then women yeah. also have this desire to be those nurturing people that, you know, birth a child. And it's like, it's kind of interesting that we could get to that point intellectually, like where we're overriding these biological urges. Um, 
for better or for worse, you know, it's just an interesting thing that I read because I always hear bad things about it. So I'm like, hey, if nothing else, maybe you're just overriding your natural biology. So there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with you. You might even be pretty smart. So don't listen to a bunch of people saying that, oh, because you're a woman, you're wrong if you don't want kids. I think that's absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think we need to actually sit with ourselves and know ourselves well enough to ask these questions. And that I don't think enough people are doing on either side of the uh, field. So when you got into this and you know, and you're starting to like maybe focus on this a little more um, and it's such a cool thing, by the way, because when you do give this gift to someone that is not having success with the pregnancies and then you're able to show them some of the stuff that allows them to do it. I mean that I would imagine even as someone who maybe doesn't have a preference towards kids, that must be the most beautiful and amazing thing in the world. If a couple's coming together and having that happen. So what are some of the first things that you're working on with people? Or, I mean, maybe it's not one size fits all I'm sure, but are there some fundamental things that we look at or prioritize in the testing or just consultations to figure out, all right, what are we doing in these areas? Because you've seen this to be problematic for a lot of people when it comes to getting pregnant. Yeah, I think our process is pretty similar with everyone. So we have four steps. We go through the first phase, which is reveal. Um, excuse me. Okay. Sorry about that. That's all good. I'll clip it. I'll make a note of it. Um, so our four step. first steps is first step reveal. So one of my, because our guiding principle is fertility or fertility struggle is a symptom of something else. It's not a dis- dis-ease, right? So if our assumption is that it's a symptom, then we need to know what it is that's going on that's creating this symptom. Mm-hmm. So that's our first step, reveal. Figure out what is going on under the surface. And that can be, we have a list of about 30 things in men and women that could be happening that have an impact on fertility in some way. Mm-hmm. Whether it's hormonal imbalance or PCOS, endometriosis, toxins, there's a whole host of things. So first we figure out what it is. Then the second part is to remove. And because there's such a integral connection, I think, with modern fertility issues and um, the toxins in our environment that are playing a huge role, the second phase is always remove. So we get rid of toxins. We might say, hey, we need to purify our water. We need to get some air filters, whatever it is based on what that couple um, shows and demonstrates as part of their lifestyle. Uh, Average woman walks out of the house or gets on Zoom these days with Mm -hmm. 137 toxins applied to her body. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would would venture to guess like 50 to 80% of those toxins are reproductive toxins. Mm -hmm. So if we're not changing how we're living our lives, then it becomes really hard to work against it and try to like do all of the other things. So that's the remove phase. Then the rebalance is really like in phase one, we figured out, hey, you have a subclinical hypothyroid issue. Let's in in the rebalance phase, we need to figure out how to support your thyroid better, support your adrenals and support the downstream effects of thyroid dysfunction on your ovaries and uterus. So really like connecting the dots and saying like 
this is what we figured out. This is how it relates to fertility. This is what we're going to do to rebalance it. And then our last step is the receive phase. And I jokingly call it my woo-woo phase, which is essentially like what I see over and over again is the, the women that we work with. And this is a small subsect of people that are dealing with fertility issues. But over the majority of our people are high-functioning, super type A, super motivated, badass women. <laughs> and kind of the fallout of that is they've been predominantly in their masculine energy their entire lives. So that energy is very much go, 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 do, 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 create, create, create. And that works, but fertility is at its core, like a feminine thing. It's the ability to receive, it's the ability to open, it's the ability to relax. And if we can't do that, if our body is stuck in a sympathetic mode, this masculine, whatever, however you want to think about it, whatever resonates with you, if we can't shift it to the relax, receive feminine energy, then we're always going to be working against ourselves. So our in our process, we really prioritize this shift to happen. And almost always, I've said, when a woman goes from like being super type A control, self-identified most of the time control freaks, sure. um, and they shift and transform into being relaxed and trusting their bodies, trusting their cycles. And like there is a there is a noticeable shift on my end. They will stop like micromanaging everything that I'm doing and move into a place of like, oh cool, I can relax. I got trust. My body feels amazing. And I'm just like in it. Um at that point I stop questioning whether they're going to get pregnant or not. At that point, it's almost always a guarantee. It's right. like, I can rest my hat and be like, we have done our work because this woman has transformed from this masculine approach to a very feminine energy. And most of the time that will work. So that's, that's kind of the process. And that's kind of what we see. Um, we truly believe that if a, if, someone is dealing with fertility it's almost always if unless they're a solo mom by choice it's a couple issue it's never the woman alone um so we we do this process with the female partner as well as the male partner or in same-sex relationships the female and female and ideally if they know who the sperm donor is then also the sperm donor wow. Okay, I think I think the masculine and feminine energy here, by the way, just to be clear, is very well received on this podcast. I I don't. It's kind of an odd thing, but it seems almost the more healthy you get, even if it's very science based. There is, I know this happened for me. I'm, I might be projecting, but I was like an atheist. Didn't this would have been so out of my wheelhouse like uh, six, seven, eight years ago? But as I got healthier, it's almost as if I could just feel uh energy and i could become more aware of it and stuff like that and I, I think there's so much validity to this and i'm like it's always the people that need it the most that reject it right because i would have rejected it completely and i like lived solely in the masculine you know it was just mm -hmm. like it, and it's cool like you said it does work but there needs to be a balance um 
and there's many reasons that we do that. I think our world, especially our capitalistic society, just promotes that. And so great, like go into it when you need to. But yeah, especially for someone that's trying to be a, a mom and, and host this baby for nine months, the body's not going to allow us to do that if it perceives that there's this high stress environment that, wow, everything's like cutthroat, all these things. And like, why would it have a baby? We have such a long cycle of like, this thing needs to be... Um, you know, obviously the sperm needs to meet the egg. And then we have this nine month process, maybe even longer, depending on the person a little bit longer, that this needs to be safe in you. And then the body is also pretty smart. So it knows that it doesn't just come out of the womb and it's able to fight for itself. Um, If I'm not mistaken, we're, I don't know if it's the mammal, but one of the mammals with the longest time of like what you would, I'm using the wrong terms. This is not my wheelhouse at all, but uh, we have a long period between birth versus our baby being able to go fend for itself. Mm -hmm. A a four-year-old kid cannot do much in the wild. That's a long time, multiple years. Compare that to um, two years of a black bear. Yeah, that thing's going to be doing pretty well by year two. You know, it can kind of do its own thing. So we have to be in a really safe space energetically and physically and biologically to allow these pregnancies to happen. And I like that you said that it's both partners. I, I think that's absolutely true i mean if both of you are going to create it you both got to be on board with this and i think there are a lot of things that men do terribly health-wise i mean especially if they're living in that masculine we'll just focus completely on you know providing or whatever we might be doing in our own minds or think we're doing in our own minds i should say and that's at the sacrifice of our own health and our own body so similarly guys like we have lower testosterone um amounts like we said our uh, sperm is not of quality like it's lesser uh, less and less in quality so we need to be honoring our own health especially in those times that we're kind of getting pregnant so i love that you um incorporate both people and i'm sure the husbands love getting involved with this too <laughs> yeah you know i feel like initially a lot of guys are resistant they're like i don't need this my sperm work great <laughs> and mine are the best (laughs) my swimmers don't need help get out of here doctor (laughs) but in reality like i like the way that i talk to men is very different and their goal may not be better sperm they may not even need better sperm but almost always across the board i'm like well could you see a benefit in improvement of your energy levels, your sleep, and your sex life? And as soon as they hear the sex life, they're like, sign me up. Where do I sign up? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But by the end of the program, the benefits that they have received, they're like, first of all, on this fertility journey, most of our clients have been, been through IVF. They have been down the roller coaster ride of stuff not working and for them to be like oh my god like i didn't even realize that i could feel better i didn't realize that 80 percent of what i was experiencing had nothing to do with the fact that i'm growing older but like legitimate things going on under the surface that i would have never seen a doctor for And um, then to add to it, women's pregnancy outcomes are going to be dependent on a few different factors in the male partner. So, and this happens again and again, all of our recurrent pregnancy loss couples will test the guys for all of the markers. And almost always, I would say 98% of the time, the male partner either has high 
blood sugar and insulin levels or high homocysteine levels. Mm-hmm. And for like, I saw this pattern for years. Finally, there's research to support that hyperhomocysteinemia and high, high um, blood sugar is going to have a direct impact on whether or not the woman is able to carry the term. And it has wow. no impact on the sperm. So the sperm look amazing, but there are these other things that if no one has looked at, which happens always, like I don't know too yeah. many other doctors Especially that with are testing all this. Yeah. 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 Um, but there is legitimate studies that connect how they don't, we don't know what it's doing. We don't know exactly why this is happening, but we do know that high homocysteine, high hemoglobin A1C or high insulin will almost always correlate with a woman who has had recurrent pregnancy loss and shifting those parameters in the guy almost always results in the woman carrying to term and having a healthy baby. So this idea that we can leave the guys alone if their sperm are good is like so outdated. And we need to think about the male partner is not just a sperm donor. He's a a live human being that has had multiple things happening. Right. And like, um, so the, what the guys tell me is like, I have never been seen as more than a sperm donor in this entire journey. It's like, so funny. To, it's not funny. It's not funny. But like when you word it like that, it's like, yeah, my husband, my sperm donor. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they wouldn't want to be viewed as just that. Yes. Yeah. And and like part of it is like he wants to support. He wants to be part of the journey. He wants to be included. And most of the time he doesn't realize that there's just so much that his his all of our bodies are talking to us all the time we're not always listening right but our body's like oh i have these like joint pains what's going on it must be that i'm getting old or oh i don't have the energy i used to have what's going on oh it must be me getting old but it's not always just getting old it's like other things are going on and our body is trying to communicate like hey something is out of whack can you just like pay attention and look at it And I would say 99.9% of our clients leave our program feeling amazing, right? Not all of them get pregnant, but a really high percentage do. But even more than that, it's like their health is transformed and now they have the tools to continue that for the rest of their life. So now we've set up a family to be to bring a child into a healthier environment and to have that child start on a health journey even before conception i really appreciate the uh, authenticity and just transparency be like hey not everyone gets pregnant but a lot of people do and 99 percent feel much better so that's always worth it too can i ask because i feel like this would be a major thing that would go through the audience's mind immediately what you clearly have done so much of this like even to figure out the correlations between the homocysteine levels because the blood sugar thing is kind of i think most people could buy into that and just think of that common sense wise, but the homocysteine is a little more astute, right? Like figuring out, wow, this seems to be high in these people that aren't carrying to term and then go figure now there's data for it. So that's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, what have you found? Do you think are some major factors that might 
or uh, similarities, I should say, between these people who are not getting pregnant? Is it an age thing? Are they not compliant? Do you just not know? I mean, what's the main reasons? Do you think? Oh, it, out of the couples in our practice that are not getting pregnant? Yeah, you say some people don't. So like, what do yeah. you think is happening to them? Yeah, I think um, we have, I will say like, we have some amazingly compliant people, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like our clientele is by far like incredible people that I'll give them. And if they're not compliant, they get fired. (laughs) So we don't, I'm like, here's a refund. Goodbye. (laughs) Like I don't have time for BS because there are way too many people to help and you're just taking up time on my calendar. So um, those people are not, most of the time, if we've continued working with them, they are doing what we ask them to do. Um, unfortunately there, what I've seen is like after the age of 43, there is, there's greater challenges to conception and I will warn anyone that we're working with, right? Like we have 45 year olds that have had incredible results, but that is not the norm. It the norm is there is this shift that's happening. And still, I don't want to fully buy into the age philosophy because it's too easy of an answer. But I think that there is like greater and greater challenges after a certain point. So maybe that's part of it. The other part is their bodies are often not responding the way that we would expect and if let's say there's a hormone imbalance someone has super high levels of estrogen compared to progesterone they're estrogen dominant we've done all of the estrogen detox support that we can possibly do we have made the tweaks we've done the epigenetics we've done like layers and layers and layers of work on this and still their body is high estrogen at some point, we have to pause and say, like, your body is kind of overpowering everything else in this way. And it may just be a natural process that your body's ready to go into perimenopause. And yeah. perimenopause is a time when estrogen will naturally be off the charts. So it's like, yes, we want to, we want to do everything we can. And there is like the limitations that the body has in and of itself. Sure. And then other times when people are not necessarily age over 43, I've had 33 year olds who this process hasn't worked for. And those break my heart because I'm like, damn it. Like, what is it? And um, for them, a lot of times they came to us just too late. Like they came to us in their um, anti-malarian hormone, which is a marker for how many eggs there are in the ovaries. It's a very rough estimate. But there are 30-year-olds whose AMH was just 0.3, 0.2 when they started working with us. So then we go through the whole process and there's always hope of like, oh, this is going to reverse after we optimize all the other underlying stuff. But it doesn't always happen. So like they're just born with what they're born with. And there isn't a lot that we can do to reverse it. If if in reality, their AMH is reflecting actually what's happening for them um, 
in terms of how many eggs they have left. So sure. there's just some challenges that can't be overcome. But we like my job is to make sure that there's really clear expectations from the beginning. So we like analyze everyone's hormones before they come work with us. Before you pay me anything, I want to see what your hormones look like. And a lot of people are like, why do you make me go through all these hoops to talk to you? And I'm like, because I want to have a clear sense of can I help you or can I not? And if I can't help you, there may be someone else better. Or this is just not like the holistic natural thing is just not for you. But if I can help you or if I could maybe help you, then I want to tell you that it's a maybe and this is why it's a maybe. And then you're choosing whether or not I'm a good fit for you. Yeah, I again, I've got to say the exact same thing that I said last time. I just love the transparency and authenticity. That was just such a great answer. I think it makes you that much more approachable to work with. Right. It's like, hey, they, you actually went out of your way to say, no, I do believe these people are being compliant. But here's another reason why it might it would be so easy. Like you could say, oh, they're just not compliant. How would I ever know? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think that's um. It's just cool. I I think this is where we need to move with society. People are so done with the BS sales tactics and stuff like that. You know, we come, we provide good value, and that's that. Um, and that's the philosophy too with FDN. You know, because and I know that you know Reed. So it's not like I mean there are some FDN fertility specialists out there, but it's not like we're ever technically focusing on one thing. That's what's the beautiful thing is when the body is healthy, it does what it's supposed to do. When the body is healthy, it does not have acne. It does not have psoriasis. It does not have extreme gut pain all the time. It can also (laughs) get pregnant assuming we're of a reasonable age and you know, everything else is um, fair enough. Because I, again, I don't think anyone's arguing like, yes, a 70 year old woman is probably, I, I mean, there has to be some limit here, obviously, correct? Like we're not arguing that 70-year-old yeah. women oh, could secretly get pregnant. We don't realize it. Although I do think it's very creepy. Um, there's certain societal things I'm just really glad do exist because, you know, men don't have that problem. Like a 75, 80-year-old man, in theory, can still get, you know, a 40-year-old woman pregnant. And it's just very creepy to think like what our evolutionary things were supposed to be. Like, I don't want to picture like my grandpa with someone like my mom's age. This is so <laughs> gross and just creepy and weird. Um, yeah. So I'm glad we've shifted away from that. But um, yeah, it's just, there is a limit, but that limit is so much farther than what we've seen. And again, I'm not in that space of the fertility thing. It's not, I I study a lot of things that are relevant to my own health. Obviously I have that bias and that's never come up, but it's amazing. We had a a guest on here too, and she kind of, it's not that she focuses on fertility. It's just that a lot of people come to her for that reason, just by default. And Dr. Mama, it's amazing. I mean, she's constantly posting the direct testimonials from these people, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44 years old. Hey, I just got pregnant for the first time and they have these healthy pregnancies. And it's like, wow, if that doesn't shift your paradigm on what you think is true, please think about this too. These people were sick, got better, and then had a healthy pregnancy at 44. So what was supposed to happen if we lived in a world where we just didn't get sick to begin with because we were already living good lives? I mean, I don't know what the limits on this would be. Mm -hmm. And I'm not putting you... uh, um, on the spot here, I'm not attempting to like, what do you really think is the age where most people, let, let's say perfect world, right? What is the age that most women shouldn't be getting pregnant? I mean, what, should women be able to get pregnant at 50? Like, well, what do you believe? So, about this? Yeah. So I don't totally know if I have enough evidence to support what I'm going to say, okay. but I have very respected um, leaders in the field of women's health 
ha- who like one of my favorite people is Dr. Christian Northrup. Um, and I know she's kind of like a hot button right now, but um, her there's a book that she has called Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. It's like the Bible on women's health. Okay. And it was initially her reading her um, approach to fertility Um, where in her book she talks about like women in other parts of the world that live in these like remote cultures that don't have access to toxins and telephones and you know like they're like really 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 remote and they're living these amazing lives in tune with nature in tune with doing all the things they have um, such a different experience and she mentions in the book that these women are having pregnant, healthy pregnancies and healthy babies on average in their societies at the age of 60. Wow. Um, and that was the first moment where I was like, holy shit. Like, what if everything that I know and have been taught is only applicable because we live these like toxic lives? And what's like, it really expands the view of what's possible for humanity, right? Like they Mm -hmm. live to 130, 140, then sure, have a baby at 60. Why not? Uh, So it's, it's not that I would want to have a baby at 60, but um, I feel like if it's possible, if humanity is able to do this, then do we have some reframing to do of why we think that suddenly at 35 people can't have children and like the number they're getting younger and younger I like it's kind of scary how many pre-35 year olds 32 28 they're being told they're too old and their ovaries are too old and their eggs are too old And I'm like, we have to stop this. Like, what the F is going on that doctors think it's reasonable to tell a 28-year-old that her eggs are too old? And based on what? Just based on the mere fact that she's 28 in, in biological years? Like, there's no test. There's literally, like, no way to assess egg quality. Um unless you have been through an IVF cycle. So unless you've been through one cycle, there's really no way to say, hey, egg quality is your issue or age is your issue. It's coming. (laughs) Like the testing is coming. There is um, something that I'm working on with an epigenetic company that is going to be able to have some biomarkers and some SNPs that help to bring light to early ovarian aging and Mm. if we can say like oh actually your ovaries did age early then sure let's have the age excuse but (laughs) if we can't then let's not tell 28 year olds that they're too old to have children and by the time they're 35 they're being told like why did you wait so long and what's wrong with you and like i just i truly believe that we we as women And like, honestly, men are in that same struggle of like being married to someone who chose to wait till later or they themselves were hoping to wait till later to have children. And 
family postponing family cre creation that's okay like i feel like we should be able to choose when it is that we have children if ever and to have our like team of medical providers really supporting our vision and creation of a life rather than them judging us for what we mm. chose when we were younger right like you're you're like you have all this judgment towards me because I chose to go to medical school. Like, no, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> Goodbye. Wow. Right. What what a great set of points because we're really in a dilemma if this if this was true because we have a society now that is leaning towards having kids later, right? Because we have so much going on. Yeah, we're going to college. We're doing all these things. We got to save up. The economy's tough, right? All these different shits going on. But then at the same time, we're becoming unhealthier. So the window for certain people if they never got their health under control would have been less. Yeah. And, and that's just not going to work. I mean, that's just simply not going to work. We need to just completely reframe this and, and share the truth. I love that. I had no idea what you were going to say age wise, honestly, with those, like I could tell what you were getting at when you were bringing up that tribe or those yeah. people that maybe are just not connected to the Western world. I didn't think you were going to say 60. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, that even blew my mind, you know, and I do believe it because we are just so, I don't think sometimes people even in our natural or functional space really are thinking about how far away we are from what we should be doing as humans. You and I are into health. We're on computers right now staring at screens <laughs> indoors. That's not what humans do. Right. We're, it's sunny outside. Right. I'm supposed to be outside feeling the cold and having my skin and body respond to that cold stimulus because this is where I live. Mm -hmm. And that I not only can I not do that, I would probably die if I slept outside tonight because my body just cannot handle that anymore. Um, and I do like the cold plunges and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I work on it, but yeah. it's just so funny. The Native Americans lived in this area. They survived these winters. I'm in March and I would probably die if I slept outside tonight. That's a problem. Like we're doing many things so wrong that how do we even know what normal is? Um, how many people do we know that walk around without at least one symptom? Again, I'm super into this stuff. And yes, I might have been a little disadvantaged. I started out sick pretty young and no one really knew what was going on. But it doesn't take much stress for me to get a breakout or for me to feel like overly tired. It's very little. So I'm always walking this kind of fine line. I seem to be trending better as time goes on, which is amazing that I could still be doing that. I find that great, especially as I'm getting older. But um, we just don't know what it's like to be actually healthy, actually normal, what the possibilities of the human body are. And again, even as someone who maybe doesn't resonate with like a huge desire to have kids, I can still fully understand how beautiful it must be to hear these types of messages. And obviously, you're just being real. It's like, hey, though this is an actual thing. You need to stop listening to these people that are telling you, yeah, 28, you know, you're too old to get pregnant. And that's what I was referring to. I'm having people from like high school, they'll call me up because they know I'm like the functional guy. And they'll just ask if I know anyone that even does that. I'm like, I don't know that much about that topic but i'll tell you this you're 28 you could get pregnant like we just got to figure out some other stuff like i very highly doubt that your body cannot get pregnant um at some point with the right stuff so um obviously this conversation been going pretty fast i've been enjoying it i want to make sure that we ask a few other things though especially like where yeah. people can find you but with someone like you in particular i want to make sure we touch on client successes not mm -hmm. only because of the topic but just because of how long you've been doing this so are there any like particular stories that you're you're able to share where um it was just, I'm looking for something maybe along the lines of where someone had tried literally everything and then they come to someone like you and their paradigms just shifted and then they are finally able to get pregnant. Does anything mm -hmm. stick out? Yeah. Gosh, so many stories. Huh. Um, 
I'm going to do a quick cheat and bring up all my client lists so I can share a of story. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, which one? <laughs> um, so this is, these are like some of my favorite clients. Um, they had had three miscarriages. Um been to several different IVF doctors who all actually said, sorry, this is never going to work for you. You need an egg donor. And she's 38. He's like 40 or 41, something like that. And this is one of my literal, like what we were talking about earlier, his sperm actually looked amazing. So most of the time I'll be like, I want to see the results because I don't always agree with the conventional paradigm where they say everyone's sperm is great, but it's always the woman, <laughs> right? Like the usual stuff. But for him, I like looked at his results and I was like, actually, the sperm are pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, so let's do the other testing. And sure enough, hyperhomocystinemia and pre-diabetic. Mm. And... On the female side, she had high, like extremely high estrogen levels um, and relatively like not relatively like really low progesterone. So for me, that's like the the best case scenario. Right. I'm like, oh, there's so much to do. And yeah. once we do it, you're going to have amazing results. So but her AMH was 0 0.3, which if your AMH is below one, the stats are that not that you'll never get pregnant, but an AMH below one is pretty consistent to poor IVF outcomes. It has nothing to do with whether or not you can get pregnant. It's literally how well will you do with IVF? And hmm. most of the time, if AMH is low, that means you probably aren't a great candidate for IVF. And that's why she had been rejected by multiple IVF clinics. So... They come to me and they're like, you're literally our last hope. We don't even know how we found you, but we're really glad we're here. And whatever you tell us to do, we, we will do. And this couple massively transformed their life. He lost like 40 pounds, went from drive. He's he's essentially an Uber driver. So he like spends most of his day, 12 to 14 hours a day, sitting in a car, driving people around. And I was like, oh, man, we're going to have to, like, integrate some sort of movement because sitting there all day is not helping your fertility. Um, and then on her side, like, we needed all the estrogen detox, um, optimizing egg quality, optimizing progesterone, just a lot of different things we had to work through. And simultaneously, like, we lowered his blood sugar, lowered his homocysteine, and... Um, Six months, six, maybe seven months later, they were pregnant. Wow. Um, and then the story doesn't end. So they had this amazing pregnancy. The whole time she was like, every time I've been pregnant, the baby's like kicking me in the guts. And it hurt. Like the way she described this, I was like, oh, my God. Like that is not a normal pregnancy experience <laughs> at all. Um, so the whole time she's like, kept messaging me like I don't have any symptoms yet I don't have any symptoms yet I don't have any symptoms yet and the whole time I was just like don't worry like we're doing all the testing everything looks good everything looks normal 
Um, and she could not believe that she had a pregnancy without zero symptoms. No nausea, no pain, no back pain. Um, she went through the entire pregnancy like a champ. She was 39. Um, or she turned 40 by the time she had the baby. So okay. she has the baby. Literally on the first birthday, they're having the baby's first birthday party. And she's texting me like, hey, doc baby's one today and I was like yay congratulations and she was like no we're ready for baby number two and I was like oh wow like that was not in the works I had no idea what um so I was like okay well go back on your plan like I know you guys have continued doing everything so just follow the plan and um literally two cycles later she messaged me and she was like we're pregnant and wow. so this woman and she like went on and had a healthy baby, healthy pregnancy, all the things. And this is a a couple that was told you'll never have children of your own. You'll need an egg donor. There's no way this is all going to work for you. Um, and to like get pregnant on their own and continue having loss after a loss is like, that's hard. That's a really like rough life. Um, so that she's like that couple is always at the top of my list because they had just been through so much by the time they came to see me and you know they're like the poster children (laughs) for my program because I'm like yeah this is gonna work of course it's gonna work that's wonderful and I think they're especially relevant as like a good example because they are in the conventional sense, older, right? It's not like the 28-year-old woman and a 30-year-old man where we're like, everyone can, even average people question that. They're like, <laughs> what? Like, I really can't get pregnant at 28, you know? Um, I found that to be the case at least. But no, with that age, they might really think, wow, yeah, no, this is just it. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And then, so you said three miscarriages, correct? Mm-hmm. And then for to two pregnancies at an older age, back to back, it's like, give me a break. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. Um, it just goes to show what can happen when the human body is healthy. And how cool is that, that you figured out that he had this stuff going on? I've never heard the thing. Well, I would have just used common sense to assume that the high blood sugar wasn't helping, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known that directly affects it. But I mean, yeah, that just makes sense. What does it help, right? Uh, I did not know the thing about the homocysteine at all. So I think that's a huge, just really cool fact and something to look out for for people on the podcast. And for those that don't know, higher homocysteine is also correlated with like heart issues. Mm-hmm. And you won't usually get tested for that unless you have a history of like the family heart disease or nothing else has worked. So um, even for myself, about two years ago, I did a huge blood panel just to check to see. I wanted to check everything, right? It was like probably $200, $300 or something. And I checked like 50 markers and my homocysteine was not high, high, but it was up there. You know, it was like mm-hmm. a 12. Um, and so I thought I was doing all the right things. And just for a health perspective, like a heart type of thing, I knew I needed to kind of work on that. Go figure, like I have methylation issues, so I mm-hmm. you know, could kind of mm-hmm. benefit from certain methylfolate and things like that. But I digress. It's just what an amazing story that's of all the health things that we hear, there's beautiful stuff on this podcast. There's people overcoming cancer. Our, our, one of our more recent episodes with Freddie Kimmel just came out. But again, I can only imagine how good it feels when you've been through this three miscarriages. Yeah, that's like trauma, man. That's like traumatic for people. I've seen that happen to people and it, and it screws them up. But then to have, yeah, two pregnancies after that, I feel like, I don't know if it makes up for it, but certainly it has to... Um, it's got to do something amazing for the body and soul when, when that kind of thing happens. Yeah. All right. And so if, to, sorry, oh, if yeah. I can just add, like, I Please. kind of didn't address it, but 
when someone has had a pregnancy loss after loss after loss, their body is holding on to the memory. So every time they get pregnant, their body is putting out all of the fight or flight hormones that are then going to make it harder to sustain the next pregnancy. So from the woo side, kind of still scientific, it's like you have to retrain the body to not have that same response. And the fact that this woman had literally like the way she described her pregnancies, I was like, oh, my God, like your body is literally fighting to not be pregnant. And and like maybe that was true the first time, but I was like the second and third time might have had something to do with how intense your first experience was. Um, So just like, you know, another another thing to remember is just like. What is our bodies doing? And if we're in this like fight or flight state, it makes it really hard to want to create life. Yeah, just it, from the body's perspective, guys, if nothing else, remember that. It's just stupid. Why would I take nine months and put this person and this baby in a vulnerable state when I know that they need to protect these things afterwards if my system is constantly getting registered as there's something hitting me, there's something attacking me, I'm under stress. Why would it do that? That's It's doing the right thing. So we need to change that. Um, we're the only ones that can do that for ourselves. Now, with that said, Dr. Mama, where can people find you? I know you got the books. You, I believe you have a podcast of your own, yes, I think, yes. all this stuff. So please shout out all of it where people can find it. Okay, fair enough. So our podcast is Egg Meets Sperm. Um, and you can okay. find that on Spotify and Apple and wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Um, my Instagram, I'm pretty active on. So that is a holistic fertility expert on Instagram. And then um, our a website is holisticfertilityinstitute.com. Okay, cool. Now I want to finish up with our signature question on the Health Detective Podcast. And it's a simple one, but it's, it's loaded too for us functional people. The question is, if in this case I could give Dr. Amama a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's get them to do one thing or stop doing one thing, what is the one thing you'd get them to do? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I I think it would have to be really good high quality sleep every single night. Like mm-hmm. and optimized for them. So not everyone needs to sleep 8 hours or 9 hours, but there are different body types that need different amounts of sleep and then really like making sure that that sleep that we are getting is super high quality and that we wake up feeling rested rejuvenated and revitalized to go on with our day all of that to be told we need to sleep huh (laughs) guys when the body in terms of pregnancy and really all disease but definitely in terms of pregnancy when it's under constant stress and when it doesn't get that break that sleep provides to get into the parasympathetic state to relax to actually rest it's not going to get pregnant It's being told that there's all these things going on and that this is a terrible time to have this pregnancy. Why would we bring this baby into the world when the host is in danger? We need to figure out ways to reduce that stress response. And certainly we need to be resting and repairing at night. Sleep's the ultimate way to do that. People don't always talk about this, but 
It's simple. You don't build muscle in the gym. You break the muscle down in the gym, actually, and you repair it with protein synthesis and sleeping. That's when all the good stuff happens. That's when the repair happens. We can damage the heck out of ourselves during the day, and sleep was made to help kind of get that back on track. But if we're not getting the proper sleep, and if we're telling our body constantly that there's all these stressors going on in the outside world, yeah, that's not really going to work so well. So thank you so much to Dr. Amatma for coming on here and just sharing something that really no one has shared before on this podcast. I would even go as far as to say I don't think I've ever heard that whole 60-year-old pregnancy thing. That really challenges my paradigm. I'm curious and interested about that book. So I will probably be reading that and adding it to my very large library of functional medicine type of things. (laughs) But we want to thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. If you're someone out there who is interested in doing this work and wants to be able to provide people with these amazing experiences of actually being able to change people's lives and perhaps even help them get that stress under control so that they can have a healthy pregnancy and live a good life, then visit fdntraining.com. You can book a free call there and you can talk to one of our course advisors. And they'll be able to walk you through whether or not the course is for you or not. If this is something that you actually should pursue, do you have time for it? Go check us out and hopefully it is for you. We'd love to add you onto our tribe and I'd absolutely love to get you on the podcast eventually once you are graduating. We're looking forward to talking to you guys again soon, but until then, take care. Thanks for listening.